Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Angela. Angela, I already know what you're thankful for this morning, but you're going to have to tell everybody else about it. Yes, so I have one of the most amazing roommates. Um, this is definitely a very, very thankful morning for me because my... My roommate, Victoria, woke up at 4.45. I'm a very light sleeper, so I heard to go get out of the bed. And she woke up at 4.45 to make me breakfast. So I have um, fresh-made bread with avocados and curry with um, chopped-up avocados as well, because I like savory for breakfast. You know, the Bible does say something about uh, sharing. Sharing is good. The sharing is positive. You know, it is positive. But um, if I have one homemade breakfast and you have none, you know, there is this little song that goes along those it's lines. It's true. It's true. But I believe you never bought me cookies, so no. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally the Christian spirit this morning, and everything I'll be talking about with the news. No, I just really am thankful for my roommate, and I'm also really thankful that I got to be on radio this week in Australia. Um, as an Australian at heart and because of my mom, I've always wanted to spend time in Australia and to get to be on a radio s- station in Australia. That's just been incredible. Fantastic. Well, we have certainly enjoyed having you here, Angela. And uh, who knows what the future might hold for you in radio. You know, maybe this will be the start <laughs> of something big. Maybe, maybe this, is, this is where uh, Angela kicks off a new career. Who knows? Anyway, uh, what am I thankful for this morning? I am thankful for friends who turned up yesterday um, long-term friends, best friends who turned up yesterday in a massive, enormous bus. Okay. This thing is just huge. And um, yeah, so the bus is called Barna Bus, <laughs> as it should be. And yeah, good, just good to catch up with friends. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Angela, what's happening in the world of positively different news? Well, because it's my last day on the radio, I had to share the two things that I'm very passionate about. So I looked up some latest research. And the first one is a Harvard study. Um, They studied 13,000 adults in the U.S. over the age of 50 who volunteer for two hours a week. And they found that they have substantially reduced risk of mortality. So basically, by choosing to be kind, you will live longer. That's So how how do you measure kindness? That's a great, great question. What they just did was volunteer. Volunteer for over two hours. Um, and so they just said... Um, so you volunteer and... <clears throat> that's what the study was based on, yep. was people who were volunteering. There you go. Okay, so if you would like to live longer, uh, there are a number of organizations that we could recommend that you get in contact with. Maybe start with ADRA, A-D-R-A, <laughs> ADRA.org.au. You can uh, simply go there and you will find lots of opportunities for volunteering. Um, you know, maybe just call us here on 1-800-324-843 and we can find some ways of giving you a longer life. Yeah, so the results show that volunteerism among older adults doesn't just strengthen communities, but enriches their lives by strengthening bonds to others and giving people a sense of purpose and well-being and protecting from loneliness, depression, and hopelessness. There you go. Okay, and those, of course, are going to be critical to uh, you know, just simply creating purpose. Well, I also think it's very um, perfect for this time right now because it says that loneliness is linked to premature death. Um, and it's, they're saying that it can be just as damaging to a person's health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. 
Loneliness is the equivalent of 15 cigarettes. That is off the charts. Yes. And I, I would, mean, there is research out there that shows that social connectedness is the single greatest health benefit that anyone can receive and volunteering is going to create social connectedness and loneliness. So loneliness, okay, but loneliness is so easy to solve. You know, I meet so many lonely people. I go out sometimes and we do, you know, we go door knocking, that kind of thing, meeting people in the community, and you meet so many lonely people in the community that just want someone to talk to, and it does my head in because all you've got to do is just pop down the street once a week and you can go to a church that is wanting more people to be there Hmm. and is wanting people to talk to, and why are you sitting at home? Why are you not a part of a community? You know, even if you're not a believer, you're going to benefit by being part of a church community. Yes, definitely. And, and I think course, loneliness is huge right now with COVID-19. Everyone who's masked their loneliness with just busyness is now when they're forced to stay at home, they're like, whoa, I don't have connections like I thought I did. And so I think COVID has been a, a good wake-up call for the necessity of more meaningful relationships besides just behind a phone. Absolutely. And we have a pandemic of loneliness that is growing because Australians, you know, 50 years ago swapped church for clubs and so forth. But that's disappearing because our new generation is not a generation of people that, you know, go to this club or that club, you know, the football club or the, you know, the RSL or whatever it might be. Our new generation coming through is not a generation that connects to those kinds of places where they get social connectedness. Our new generation is is, is a generation that connects, you know, with online video games and so forth. And what that is actually driving is a pandemic of loneliness that is going to crush our world. And Jesus has the solution for all of it. He invented this great thing called church. Amen. Yes. Yes, I saw it in my high school students. Loneliness is just, they have a very difficult time connecting because they spend so much time behind a screen. Which leads me into my second bit of research that I'm very passionate about, which would be going outside. So another way to solve the the results of this um, pandemic around the world is being kind to others and going outside. So simply by going outside, there um, have been studies that show that it decreases an incidence of diabetes, cardiovascular mortality, lower blood pressure and heart rate, and a better immune system. Just by getting outside. Just by getting okay, outside. Okay, so that's so that's just and just by getting outside for twenty minutes per day can lower stress hormone levels, boost self esteem, and improve mood. You want better self esteem? Go out for twenty minutes, and you'd have better self esteem. So just seeing trees. Actually, you know, at the very end of the study, it's interesting for those who cannot get outside, even looking at a window and looking at a tree is showing that it improves your mood. Looking through the window. Now, please go outside, but <laughs> breathe some fresh air. Stand on. Even if you are locked into an apartment with COVID-19, then breathe some fresh air and go and stand on the porch. So another thing, too, is um, Balcony. Yeah. As, with the stress, um, it's been a very big effect on our children. Um, believe it or not, and they're uncertain right now. And it's saying that if you can take your children outside, that children who play in parks, they experience seeing like trauma and abuse or like a, like the catastrophe going on right now, that it can buffer, buffer the negative effects of those um, children and improve health outcomes and create resilience in our children, including the ability to handle and regulate stress over a lifetime. By taking your children out now, there could be improved results in their lifetime. 
not just right now when they're children. So we had this um, rule in our home when our kids were small, and that was you're only in, uh, you're only allowed inside if it's raining. So basically, <laughs> you know, for for obviously all you know meals and you know all that kind of stuff, and at night time you come inside. But if if it's during the day, and it's not raining, you're not allowed inside. And our our my, my boys often look back at uh, the the favorite their favorite gift that they ever received was a big pile of dirt that got <laughs> dumped just in a pile, not spread out, but just dumped as a big tall pile, a mound of dirt that got dumped in the yard, and it was called the dirt pile, and it was their favorite place to go and play. There was just like hours and hours and hours they spent in the dirt pile. It's the best thing. You know, it's interesting. There was a, a doctor in this study who actually believes in evolution, and he is saying that um, just in the last you know, 50 years, we've been separated from nature, but he said, um, this is what the quote that I think is interesting. We spent thousands and thousands of years among the rest of nature. That's how we were designed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is Robin Raymond from Three Angels Nepal. Robin, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm actually from Three Angels Australia in Australia. Oh, yes. but our Working partner, in Nepal. Our one, that, no, that's okay. Our one and only partner is Three Angels Nepal. Absolutely. Okay, so Three Angels Australia and Three Angels Nepal um, that uh, work together. Robin, can you tell us a little bit? We have talked about this before, but it has been a while. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about what Three Angels Australia, Three Angels Nepal is actually doing? um, Yeah, with, yeah, just tell us about it. Give us us some background. Well, there's a a huge problem in Nepal of um, poverty and disadvantage and the um, old caste system, which has actually been outlawed but still exists to a degree socially. Anyway, that is creating a very big problem with human trafficking and Three Angels Nepal have been working with that for quite some years, trying to fight that. Three Angels Australia are helping them as they have let us know that the biggest way they've found to have success is through education and they're working to become self-sufficient they don't want to be one of these charities that constantly are going from hand to mouth handouts forevermore they want to stand on their own feet which is very much what um, charities are encouraged to do nowadays and they are doing it so incredibly well in the way they've got lots of um, little industries and businesses and vocational training and so forth for the young women but the school is a unique school. Most schools over there combine, um, just do not combine their free paying and the disadvantage, which they do. And so that helps them fund those in need. But the rents are the big problem. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly complex problem. Um, but the solution is that they desperately need a school of their own and homes of their own for security and self-sufficiency to move forward. Absolutely. Let me come back to the uh, the issue of human trafficking for a moment because this is something that I think needs to be highlighted in our world right now. You know, in in recent times we've had you know race riots and these kinds of things taking place in the United States, and all of this stems back to traumatized societies from the past that were you know involved in slavery, and we often think about slavery from the past, but really, do we have slavery that exists in our world right now? 
Absolutely. We like to think that it was abolished many, many years ago, but it exists in a very insidious, horrible form. If you visited Kathmandu, Pokhara, you would not know as a tourist what is going on behind the scenes. Um, Nepal is just rife with it. It's very, very sad. And they're a landlocked country with easy access between the borders, well, in normal times, between the borders of India and Nepal, with huge numbers of brothels along the Indian border. So they're just a sitting duck for exploitation in many ways. What's okay? So you've obviously looked at this uh, this particular solution here, and or problem here, and and looking for a solution. So rather than just going to the brothels and rescuing the women out of the brothels, you're providing education and a school. What makes your school different? What what's the biggest things that makes your school different from you know other schools that are endeavouring to educate people in Nepal so that they don't end up in slavery? Because really, I guess you, you you're cutting it, solving the problem at the at the uh, at the mm, root of the cause. Mm, yeah, and and when I say education is the solution, I don't just mean the school is the solution. Um, Three Angels Nepal have been educating through the entire society. Um, they have field workers who go out into the remote villages. And in a lot of those remote villages, the only way people survive is prostitution and selling children. And they are born into servitude with no other means of income. So it's a very ancient um, society in lots of ways. but And a lot of people don't even read or write. So difficult times for many, many people. But... We have listened to what those in Nepal, our partners, have said is the way they're seeing the most success. And it's the education programs that they're running in the school, which is not just a normal school. It also is going to function as a community outreach. It'll have a medical centre. So it's teaching people about um, hygiene. They're vaccinating children to stop illness. I mean, when they first started working in these villages, they did not even, people did not even know that you needed a designated, um, it sounds awful, but they would just go to the toilet anywhere. And there was lots of disease. And Regender and Sarah said all the children in the village had constantly diarrhea and sickness. And once they started teaching them and, about that and putting in toilets and water for them to wash hands, then things started to change. But then they realized that they needed people to be educated to tertiary, to higher level, to start to have an impact in local governments. And that's already started to happen. One of the young women they rescued is actually well, the equivalent of a mayor in the village. And in that time, a 100 people in that village have been converted to, to Christianity. They have changed their lives. They have stop, stopped um, the prostitution that was the only means of income in that village. And they have set up other um, cottage industries it's doing different things. They have chicken farming. They have sell the eggs and so forth. And they have candle making. They have a whole lot of different cottage industries. And, and Regender is teaching, um, not him personally, but they have a team that are helping them farm and helping them be self-sufficient. So the whole aim all along is to be self-sufficient. But the thing that's killing them is that they are having to rent their current school. It is constantly being destroyed by monsoons. It's such a terribly decrepit building. And unlike in Australia, where the person who owns the school or owns the building is responsible for repairs, that is not the case. 
Um, so every year the rents go up and they have just heard now the rents are going to double in a few months. So they are in huge difficulties with more dis- destruction. Every year we repair, every year it's destroyed. Every year, the homes for the children, and these are the children that cannot be put back with their family at this point in time, although that is always the aim, those rents, they're just doubling. And often, they're targeted as Christians, and there's no no control over what landlords can charge. And Regenda was telling me sometimes they charge 10 times normal rent because they know they're Christian. So it's a very difficult situation, and if they own the own school, which we bought the land for, and we've got the plans ready, we've got nine acres of incredible land in Pokhara, and they're ready to go. And that will have the school, it will have homes for children that are at risk, it will have also a home for children studying tertiary locally to feed back leaders into the local community. It'll have a bakery, a tailoring um, center. So the safe haven home will also be there with a lot of education for not just the children, but the community. It will have a medical center that will connect to the community, a workshop. So the industrial arts will also be fixing motorbikes. So it's a huge, huge undertaking. And the only thing stopping us from starting building, apart obviously from coronavirus, is the funds to sign the contract. You know, just listening to you share with us right there, Robin, it makes me think about, you know, so many of our listeners who supported rallies across Australia in relationship to uh, people who um, have come from traumatised societies as a result of slavery in the past. But this is an opportunity where rather than just going and standing for half a day in a rally, you can actually do something constructive, something tangible yourself to deal with the current problem of slavery that is happening in our world right now. Um, and so I would encourage our listeners, hey, if you, were, if you were prepared to go and stand for half a day out there, you know, dealing with uh, something that was a historical issue, then what about do, doing something about something that is a current real issue right now, doing something tangible about it? Um, as I think about this, you mentioned, you know, this young lady that is uh, mayor of her town. I just have to ask: in a society like Nepal, is the concept of a of a woman who is a mayor is this a new concept? Is this is this radical, or uh, and is it well accepted? It, look, it is new, um, and that's in, in fact, Regender often says that the real strength behind Three Angels is his wife, Sarah, who's also quite a well-educated lady and a nurse as well as very active in political science and does a lot of the counselling with the young women who've been rescued. She has qualifications in counselling as well. Um, But they've come to realise that if you want to change things in a country like Nepal, the men have to be the ones out there vocally supporting the women. Women will always say we don't want to be made second-class citizens. Well, mostly women will want better for themselves and their children. But when the men in that society step forward and say, this is not the way forward, and that is having a big impact. So here is the face of it over there. But she is very much, just over the last few years, we've noticed doing a lot more public speaking and being accepted as as the um, the power behind this movement as well. And women generally in Nepal are very gradually, um, more so in educated circles, starting to be equally accepted. So as people become more educated, they step out of the 
the dominance of the men controlling the women and thinking the children are the property to be sold or if you have 12 and 11 you might eat better by selling one this this sort of and that's not always the way it happens of course but occasionally in the, the the absolute poorest most desperate situations desperate people do desperate things so it is changing it is very slow like all of these things and it is no longer um legal to discriminate people against people because of caste or because of religion yet unfortunately it does still happen covid-19 has hit charities very hard and as a result mm. of that it has also hit the poorest of the poor of our world you know infinitely harder than you know people like you and i have you seen the uh the covid-19 hit affect your charity with three angels australia three angels nepal well in australia we've been doing our end of financial year fundraiser and we've had a lot of um stories from Nepal and info on both the Three Angels Australia Facebook page and Instagram. And our heart has actually been bursting with the generosity of Australian people. We almost didn't have a fundraiser this year because we were so worried that it just didn't seem the right thing to do. But the board said, no, some people are actually doing better. Let's leave it in God's hands and put it out there. And we ha- we are, are, are having success so far. We obviously need a lot more, but over there, it's a whole different story. Three Angels Nepal is having to distribute bags of rice to starving uh, communities. They are using their radio station to tell people where to go to get urgent provisions. They are constantly broadcasting the news about social distancing and hygiene, things that we take for for granted over here that they have been very backward on and very behind. And Three Angels Nepal radio station and field workers with education and food distribution and medical care, they're stepping out there. But they said they're dealing with people who are starving. There are people on the street crying. And last, I mean, I've been constantly on the phone to Regender over the last few weeks hearing the updates and it's very heartbreaking. Just last night before I went to sleep, I read a, a message from him that he has was sorry he hadn't got back to me about us catching up at a certain time this evening because he'd been dealing with a major security issue. Some criminals had tried to break into the home where they are looking after some of the youngest, most vulnerable children because the security guard with COVID-19 had gone back to the village and they had no security guard. And I said to them, haven't you called the police? And they said, the police are so busy dealing with COVID-19, they don't want to come. So they are just frantically dealing with the criminal element, taking advantage of COVID-19, as well as food shortages and a lot of the villagers starving. Um, We have to finish up with our interview, Robin, but you have an event coming up, a fundraising event coming up? Yes, and those funds from that event will not just go to the school. We're leaving it to Three Angels Nepal, our partner, as to how much of that they need for relief work because obviously these are unusual times and relief as well as development are foremost over there. So we will leave that to them as to how they want to do that. We need the long-term solution, but emergency times we call for emergency vets. So it's threeangelsaustralia.org. Dot au the numeral three forward slash turning point is our event 4 p.m this saturday 
Okay, so that's 4 p.m. this Saturday, 3 Angels Australia. That's the number 3, uh, 3 forward slash turning point and at 4 p.m. this Saturday. So make sure that you head over there. Uh, Robin, it's been fantastic having you here on the station today. We're going to have to move on because we are out of time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, question of the day. It's coming now. Question of the day. All right, we had a call yesterday, and the question of the day today is in Isaiah chapter six or chapter nine, verse six. Um, it's talking about a prophecy of Jesus Christ being born, but yet the phrase in there is "everlasting Father." Is it talking about the Father? Why is that phrase in this prophecy? That's a very good question. So. Uh was Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Okay, so there's very, very clearly the Bible is speaking about Jesus Christ, and the Bible is speaking about Jesus Christ as being Mighty God, and also Everlasting Father. How can the Bible speak about Jesus as being the everlasting Father? Okay, so I'm going to outline a principle here. We don't have time to go into too much depth. But what you're going to find is that all of the names in the Bible that are applied to God are applied to both Jesus and God. They share those names together. For instance, if you go back to, uh, let's go back to Genesis. Let's try this one in Genesis. And I think you'll find it around about Genesis 18 thereabouts. Uh, Let me see here. A little bit further along. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 19. And the Bible says in verse 24, Then the Lord, and the word Lord here is Yahweh, Rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. How many lords do you have there? Two. And whereabouts are they? One of them is up where? Um, in heavens. And the other is down on the earth. And the Bible says the one that is on earth rains fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from the one which is in heaven. Yes. And so clearly Jesus is the one who is on earth. The Bible makes that plain in a number of different passages where you know, Ab- Jesus himself says, you know, I saw Abraham. I was around and saw Abraham. Um, and he's referring to this event right here. And so Jesus and the Father both share the name Yahweh. That applies to both of them. If you go over to the book of Revelation, and I'm um, going to have to move quickly here, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We re- generally, when we are talking about God, and we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we speak about God the Father as a way of differentiating him from Jesus Christ. That does not mean that Jesus is not spiritually our Father, and it does not mean that Jesus does not share the same name. Okay, so in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, you have. Um, John is writing to the seven churches which are in Asia, and the letter is coming from which him which was which is to come, and from the seven spirits, which is the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. So clearly if you work your way up from there, you've got the three members of the Godhead. You've got Jesus Christ, then you've got the Holy Spirit, and then you've got the Father. And the Father is described as him which was, is, and is to come. Then if you go down to verse 8, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, 
which was, is, and is to come. So both Jesus and the Father share this title of him which was, is, and is to come. And so if we find that Jesus is sharing the name Yahweh, Jesus is sharing the name Jehovah, Jesus is sharing the title of you know, Alpha and Omega, him which was, is, and is to come, etc., why would we find it strange that he also shares the title of Father? Is Jesus spiritually a father to us? Absolutely he is. And so then it is absolutely not incorrect to refer to Jesus as the Father, although we normally refer to God the Father as the Father for the sake of simplicity so that we can understand what we are all talking about. 